that better. Welcome to the inaugural episode of the Chris White Show, a podcast dedicated to helping small to medium-sized business owners and anyone looking to make the entrepreneurial leap. A little about a little about me, your host, Chris White. I'm an entrepreneur based in Brooklyn, New York. I currently own two companies, a boutique digital agency and a staffing and recruiting firm. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce our first guest, Dania Rogers-Gohan. Dania is an amazing businesswoman and founder CEO of Gotham Telecom. Gotham Telecom is WMBE certified and is a global provider of trusted IT and telecom consulting and cost reduction services. And I've also had the pleasure of playing softball with Danya. What's up, Danya? How are you doing? Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I wanted to jump right in and help our viewers and listeners today. Uh, I really have loved getting to know you and uh, really believe in just how amazing of an entrepreneur you are. And again, the goal here is to really help anyone looking to make that uh, leap into being an entrepreneur or somebody who has a small to medium-sized business and wants to grow it. And I wanted to start off by uh, jumping in with uh, a success quote. You know, what, what's your favorite success quote? You know, why is it your favorite and how do you apply it to your everyday life? That's a great question. So, you know, you hear these success quotes from like Zig Ziglar and, you know, all of these motivational quotes. And I've had the same one for quite some time. Mm -hmm. um, there's actually two of them. Um, one is always talk about the problem you solve and not something that you sell. So I don't know who said that or who wrote that or who taught me that, but I live and die by that because um, solving the problem is the key. And then the second is that failure is often the opportunity to begin again smarter than you were before. And that's attributed to Henry Ford. And I think uh, he's somebody who knows a little bit about success. Yeah, I think yeah, I think he does, uh, and uh, I, I'm so glad you mentioned Zig Ziglar. I watch some of his YouTube clips uh, sometimes. Uh, he's he's awesome. Uh, he's awesome. Yeah, he's he's amazing. Uh, what what's your biggest failure you've had? You know, personally in your career. You know, how did you sort of end up in that situation? Tell me a little bit about that. So um, failure is my favorite thing to talk about something I talk about routinely with my team. Hmm. Um, you never learn anything from your successes and you learn everything from your failures. <laughs> so, and some of them, I mean, the more brutal the failure, the more you learn. Um, we actually mm -hmm. just talked about this. So um, I've had a couple of significant, what I would consider failures. Um, one was in particular where uh, I took on a large client early on in my career, and um, the project was a huge success. Client saved hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars, and the project was a wild success. The failure part was I failed to deliver future solutions to that client <clears throat> in a way that would have been enormously helpful to them. I was so bogged down in the technology and learning everything about that business and how to help them with this particular deployment, then I missed the opportunity to look at the other facets of their business that really needed some help. So mm. they ended up hiring someone else to do that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I recently read something where, you know, one of the, one of the best times to get somebody to buy something from you is when you've sold them something else, you know, like that's why like sort of those upsells work so much with like online offers and stuff like that. I've, I've yet to figure out how to apply that to like a B2B services type business, but, um, 
in that situation, was that something where you would try to get them on like monthly support kind of engagement, you know, like, like what was your goal with that client? So, or like, what was the missed opportunity? So the missed opportunity there was they trusted me and rightly so I knew, and this is kind of a policy that we have about doing business with customers. We learn the customer's business. How do they make money? Because if you can understand how they make money and how they gain access to their clients, you can mm. better assist them. Mm -hmm. um, so I really knew that business inside and out. And um, I could have certainly helped them not only save money and become much more efficient at the way they communicated both with their internal customers and their external customers. Um, so there were tons of additional services, professional services, products that would have been good fits for them um, that I was familiar with, but I missed that opportunity and mm. someone else took it. So someone ate my lunch there and I was never going to let that happen again. Oh, good. Good for you. Good for you. What's been uh, a sort of big eureka moment, uh, you know, working in your business? Has there been something that was just like a game changer or, you know, helped you start to scale the business? So I would have to say that the advent of AI was a game changer in our business for a couple of reasons, a couple of reasons. You know, hmm. Mo Gadot, who I'm sure you're familiar with from Google, yeah. um, wrote a book called Scary Smart hmm. and um, talked a little bit about AI in that book. And, you know, that's a couple of years ago now. And technology has moved so into a world that we always thought was like, you know, how, and, you know, we were expecting something out of 2001, a space odyssey, <laughs> but it's been creeping in little by little. And, you know, for all yeah. of those people out there who are like, Oh, you know, AI, it's not real. It's not ready yet. Think about how often you get a message on your iPhone or on your computer um, about something you were just searching for on the internet or talking about with your friend while Alexa was in your room. Um, all of mm -hmm. these things are AI driven. And I think that, you know, between the symbolic 1924 big brother component of AI and what AI is really capable of, um, you know, both simple and complex, I think AI has changed materially the way we do things. And it's given us a lot of eureka moments because mm. as we see it progressing, we are prepping clients to say, hey, you know, this is real. And there's a lot of opportunity for you if you're in early to access this and use it to your advantage and make sure that what you're saying is what you want to say and not what um, mm. the AI is going to develop for you to say. And for you, like with AI, would that specifically be in areas of like, say, like call center, like support kind of stuff or like, yeah. like what areas of your biz are most affected by AI? So I would say call center, contact center is certainly the number one thing. AI is mm -hmm. one of my most favorite things to talk about, to learn about. It's so complex. It's a little bit frightening and super exciting all in the same in the same vein. But for contact center, for example. Um, for better or for worse, I think that in the future, what you're going to start to see is that average communication will be entirely AI driven. So mm. in the communications industry, the number one cost is labor okay. and having a human being answer a phone call, especially a simple phone call that could have been managed either by a bot or an FAQ is not efficient anymore. 
So finding people who are skilled at managing things is incredibly challenging and having enough people to answer those questions because it's we've seen exponential growth in people's desire to communicate about challenges, problems, new opportunities, sales, um, mm. using online communication as opposed to the phone. So we've moved yeah. from call center to contact center and, you know, rapidly, especially during the pandemic, something in the neighborhood of 75% of the communication was online. Yeah. So you mm -hmm. can, with AI now, really shorten the duration of the call because people can get answers in ways they couldn't previously. So the hold times should materially decrease. People should have much more ability to access a live human when they need it, but not necessarily have to. Um, right. I think the other place that we're seeing it is things like 911. You didn't used to be able to access 911 with a chat, but now you can. Mm. Um, really? Not in every state, and there's components to this that, you know, make it legal in some states and not legal in others. However, I can tell you that um, in, nine, in, in the states that allow 911 via chat, think about the situations, unfortunately, that we've seen in the news where someone can't audibly speak, but they mm. could text or send a picture or a video without there being audio because wow, they need right. to be silent. Wow. So that's not AI necessarily, but as things begin to come in, there will be an AI right. component that will look at that information and escalate that based on what the needs are and who needs to respond. And I think that's, Chris, the biggest thing about AI is very much like in an emergency room, you need a senior um, ER specialist to look at a major issue and triage people to the right places so that the right people who are the most urgently in need of care get the care they need from the right person, you know, mm -hmm. effectively. And people who may have a less urgent need wait a little bit longer. And AI yeah. will allow us to do that kind of triage on technology, on questions, on sales, on everything. So you, so right now you can text 911 in certain areas? In certain states, yes, you can. Oh, wow. In New York? Can you do that in New York State? Do you know? Uh, to or... the best of my knowledge, that's not ready for prime time. It's only okay. in beta. So, oh. Wow, that's pretty cool. cool. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. And if you, think of the, if you think of the benefits of that, you know, it's amazing. Th there's a lot of benefits. Yeah, that's wild. Um, what, what do you do consistently daily that you feel sets you apart and makes you successful? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, you ask yourself that question kind of every day, you know, what, mm -hmm. what, what am I going to do today? That's going to make me successful. That's going to help steer me and my clients in the right direction. Um, I think, you know, the two things that I do every day are, um, when I get up, I read the, you know, listen, I actually listen to a flash briefing that Alexa reads to me, um, <clears throat> which parses something that I've designed for her to tell me about, like political news, news relative oh. specifically to some of the sectors that I'm interested in. It's genius. If you've never That's used so it, Alexa cool. has a flash briefing component you should all have. Um, I'm like I'm like a tech guy and you're like schooling me here. Like I, I still read like the news on my phone. Like what am I doing here? So what I found is I don't always have time to read everything. And, you know, unless I had a person who literally had 15 newspapers and opened them up to the things that they knew I wanted to right, hear about and right. read them out loud while I was, right. doing, you know, sitting on my Peloton. Um, 
that wouldn't work. So this flash briefing is literally like 15 minutes of only the things that would be relevant to me. And you as the individual can, can self-select what sources you want that to come from. But I listen to that every single day. Um, the other thing I do is I'm learning a new language and I won't say which one. So nobody talks to me in that language until I'm prepared. Okay. But I do that every day. Um, oh, cool. And it's a gamified language assessment and learning tool. Um, we started okay. it as a family. Everybody was learning a different language. Um, super fun. Some of us have been That's more so cool. diligent than others, but it's amazing. And it does open up those alternate pathways for thinking. And I think that that's yeah. helpful. That's so cool. Uh, I so used to you're, do you're the saying... Wordle every day too. And, you know, uh -huh. the New York Times um, puzzle and a couple of other things, but those are all yeah. by the way. So, I'd say like... so you basically have your own like personalized, like AI, like news broadcast, like radio news broadcast in the morning. I do. <laughs> like, that's I do. so cool. And I love it. That's so cool. I love it. Oh my God. Well, what uh, What do you see as your biggest uh, strength and biggest weakness uh, as an entrepreneur? So I really hate that question, Chris, because the <laughs> what I think is my strength, interestingly, and I've asked around, isn't necessarily what clients or friends think is my strength. Um, really? So I'm kind of yeah. So I'm trying to reconcile that because as part of assessment in how well we do what we do. Um, mm -hmm. I will routinely ask, you know, clients, Hey, you know, what did you like about the way we did this job? What could we do better? And, you know, where do you, where do you think we're really strong? Why would you recommend us to a friend, a colleague, whatever? Um, mm -hmm. and the answers that I'm expecting are oftentimes very different than the answers I receive. I actually had a client say to me that, um, or my strength specifically and our strength as um, as a business was, he was very funny. He said, I don't know what kind of magic you do. All <laughs> I know is that I call you and I tell you about something that's problematic and it's fixed. He said, please don't ever tell me how you did that. I don't really want to know. I'm just glad you did it. So that, of course, just made me laugh. And Jason, I hope you're listening. Um, so that was actually fascinating because he is one of the smartest people. We have very, very smart clients and customers. Um, mm -hmm. He's a super smart guy. So I really thought that was kind of funny and interesting. Um, but I think most of the you... time, you know, it is, it is magic to some people. What, what were you maybe expecting that he would say, or like, like what were you anticipating that like a client like that would say? I was kind of anticipating. Mean, I mean, we know our clients fairly well. Our clients are have a lot of longevity with us as a general mm -hmm. rule. Um, mm -hmm. Our engagements can be short or long, but from the first engagement, many, if not most, of our clients are with us for for a long time. I mean, I would say at this point, the tenure of most of our clients is somewhere between seven and ten years. Wow! So we That's start great. with a, an engagement. Normally, it's like some tiny little, "Hey, can you help us with this?" We have mm -hmm. this office in San Francisco and they need low voltage cabling. And that's the, you know, we, we just need somebody to do this tiny little job. Mm. And then as you do the work for them, you kind of learn a little bit about what they need and what they do. And then the team will say, well, hey, you know, what else can you do? Yep. That's actually the thing we hear most commonly is, oh, that, that was great. What else can you do? 
Mm. Um, so that was kind of um, when when I'm expecting a client to say something, I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, I'm kind of expecting them to say, thanks for that. Um, what else can you do? Or, gee, we didn't really think, you know, you came at the recommendation of so-and-so. We kind of thought it was like all the same and everybody who do who does what you do does it kind of all the same way. And it wouldn't really have mattered what mm. person we chose to do this deployment or what technology we chose but we see now that that's not accurate. And the way you deployed our solution was very different than the way our previous firm or our friends told us their solution was deployed. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I love that you brought up the the fact that, you know, a lot of times these longer term business relationships and, and clients can turn, can start with actually something fairly small. You know, um, I was trained on the idea of, you know, what I, what I call foot in the doors, you know, you got to sometimes get your foot in the door with a client, even if it's something small, um, you know, maybe your margins are going to be a little tighter than you want to be, but, you know, could turn into something big. Um, you know, so I always talk to business owners about like trying to figure out what are your foot in the doors? You know, how can you get that initial work with a client, even if it's something small, you know, and then build that personal relationship, build the business relationship. That's awesome. So I'll tell you a funny story. So um, many clients of ours, when, when we talk to them about, you know, what we do and we ask them like why, why they continue to use us or, or what it is that they like about us. Oftentimes the answer that actually comes back is we call you for everything because even if you don't do it, you're going to steer us in the right direction. You're a resource for us. And obviously wow. clients that you've known a long time, that matters. But, yeah. um, wow. so I had a client many years ago. Um, it was a large retail chain department store and the director of facilities called me on a Friday night at like nine o'clock or maybe it was a Saturday night even and said, Hey, I need some help. The carpet in the store in this location is humping. I said, you don't say. <laughs> do, do explain. That's the word they used? Humping? <laughs> yeah. So, and I think at this point I was like out at dinner or something. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. Um, okay, t tell me more. Well, the carpet, there's the, I mean, anybody who's ever seen carpet that got moisture under it, it literally yeah, yeah. makes like a hump. So yeah, yeah, yeah. she says to me, um, can, can you help? I'm like, well, I'm really, I'm not sure. Let me see what I can do. And just by serendipity, I called a friend of mine who runs like a commercial carpet installation. And I called him and I'm like, hey, so this is the phone call I got. This could potentially be a very good customer for you because they buy a lot of carpet um, and they're kind of sort of nearby. Can you give them a call and see if you can fix the humping? He said, yeah. Give me her phone number. I hung up the phone. I gave him her phone number. The next morning she calls me and she says, you're not going to believe this, but this person you introduced us to came with like a truck and all of these, I guess, dehumidifiers and people who were like mm. jumping up and down on the carpet or whatever it was that they wow. did. Wow. And she could open her store the following day, which she really thought she wasn't going to be able to do um, and had called corporate and said, hey, this major department yeah. store is not going to be open. And uh, he he got some new business and she was like, I am so glad I called you. I literally had no idea. Now, yeah. you know, that's kind of that's an extreme example, but it's the example that I love because it was just so funny and so unrelated to what we do. 
Yeah, that's that's so cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I the fact that they might not even open their store that's that's amazing. Uh, well, I mean, what... think about it. If you're if you have an escalator and people can't access the escalator mm-hmm. because there's mm-hmm. a two foot hump in the carpet, yeah. that's uh, liability <laughs> tripping hazard waiting to happen. Didn't didn't anticipate uh, talking about carpet humping <laughs> on this episode, but hey, you know. What, let's do a quick final lightning round here. What, what's the number one thing you see holding business owners back from becoming successful? No question. Um, I know cause it happened to me. I think mm. that on some level, we're all a little bit afraid of what we might hear if we ask some of those real questions of our customers, like, are you very happy working with us? If so, Mm. tell me why. And if not, tell me why not. And if you can separate for me the thing that you were happy about from the thing you weren't happy about and give me some granularity about what you didn't like and how we can fix that. Those are scary questions because, you know, most salespeople and business owners, business owners less so, but most salespeople, they don't ever want to bring up anything negative. But I think... The thing that you really learn from, again, to go back to what you mentioned, is your failures. So if you have a real relationship with your customer, they may not actively solicit having a conversation with you about a particular failure unless it was big. But Mm -hmm. asking the question like, hey, as the business owner, I thought this was a success. Did you think it was as successful as it might have been? You know, Mm. do we need to add something kind of to our protocol of deployment or customer satisfaction to make sure that we're doing this thing better or reaching these people or or following up on this solution a month later, two months later, three months later in ways that perhaps we're not? Mm. Because, you know, one of the biggest concerns when you deploy anything, no matter what it is, is keeping consistently on top of the customers so that when and if something's not good, something changes, their needs change, you're you're right there. Yeah. Because as people move around in business, sometimes I'll give you another example. We got a phone call from a client the other day and we'd been reaching out interestingly to this client for like eight months, radio silence. Hmm. This customer reached out the other day and said, Hey, we have you on our list of, you know, management for this location, you know, can you show up on Tuesday? And we're like, hey, we've been dealing with this person. Well, that person's been gone for a year. So we've been reaching out to that person, but they didn't have an out of office. So we're calling them. We're getting their voicemail. We're leaving them emails. But that person, they never put up out of office. So we were thinking to ourselves, okay, we were not reaching the right person. And so you know, had we had more resources at that particular client, even if it wasn't our primary contact, um, mm-hmm. we mm. would have known months and months before that this person left. Yeah, that's, you know, that's so on point. I I remember reading a couple years ago, somebody who does work similar to me and they're, they, they hit hard on that, like always have two to three points of contact at a client. Um, but I really liked how you phrased that question of, you know, getting feedback, but putting it in a positive light as well. Like, Hey, we thought this engagement was successful. Did you feel it was successful? You know, like, I love that. That's, that's brilliant. Um, what's, what's the best business advice you've ever received? I don't 
gotten a lot of good business advice. Actually, I've gotten a lot of good business advice from some very sage business people. Hmm. Um, I have a client who's the CEO of a company. I'm going to say this year he's 81, maybe. Um, the guy still travels all over the world, uh, still works, you know, 10, 12 hours a day when he's not on vacation. Um, mm -hmm. I think the best piece of business advice I ever got was from him. And uh, we were doing actually some work in his home. And I said, you know, how'd you do this? How'd you create this industry that didn't exist before you effectively? Um, hmm. And and how have you been successful all this time for this long with the level of, of customer that you have? And he's like, I got to be honest with you. I work by off and I really <laughs> research my clients and I find out again how they make money and how I can help them do that mm. and I I think that mm. I really took that to heart because if I understand how you bring in customers and how you make money then everything I'm talking to you about is a means to that end yeah. And so that, yeah. that brings success to you because you're not just choosing a solution or, you know, looking at your tech environment and saying, oh, you know, we should do this or we should do that. This will materially impact your bottom line. And that's why you want to do this. Mm, that's a, that's that's great. Yeah, I think tenacity is is definitely important. Um, yeah, like uh I always come back this like work uh, early to bed, early to rise, work like hell and advertise. That's what I always come back to. <laughs> right. So true. And we've been terrible at that. We've been a word of mouth business now for in excess of 20 years. The clients mm. that we get almost without exception say, oh, so-and-so recommended you or so-and-so is my friend and they said I should call you. Mm. Um, so the advertise part is something that we never had interest in for a couple of reasons, not the least of which was we never really thought that people would find us that way. You mm. know, that nobody is looking for, hey, I'd like a, you know, a cost savings technology consulting firm and I'm going to look for them, you know, on the Internet. Like that just yeah. didn't seem like a real thing. But the relocation portion of our business is something mm. people look at regularly absolutely so, um stay tuned for that that's awesome. our that's an ongoing project awesome last question uh if you woke up tomorrow morning and and you still possessed all the experience and knowledge you have but your business had completely disappeared and, and you had to just start somewhere anywhere from scratch what would you do but there's a there's a new tv show called the lazarus project i don't know if you've seen it mm -mm. highly recommend okay um I can't really tell you too much, but that answers a lot of questions. It gives you the opportunity to go back and know what you know, but nobody else knows what they might have known. Only you do. Oh. Or you and a small handful of people. Very interesting concept. Okay. Um, but okay. it does, it causes you to think, okay, I get to know all of this. You know, it's like back to the future. Would I, you know, would I go gambling? Would I, you know, bet on the World Series? So yeah. if I got to do this all again, knowing what I know, um, I would probably have gone back to school uh, much earlier um, hmm. and studied, you know, computer technology and AI and programming and things that I never would have thought to, to study because hmm. having a real grasp of things that 
will exist in the future that didn't exist in most people's understanding 20 years ago um, would really be would be fascinating. I don't know how much business it would produce, but mm -hmm. I would personally find it fascinating. Plus, I would also take the time to have learned all these languages a long time ago. That's so cool. Well, uh, I just want to thank you. I, I, again, I can't thank you enough for being the first uh, guest on my podcast. Thank you for uh, allowing me. Yeah, th this has just been a blast. Uh, I hope everyone enjoyed the episode and uh, we're going to publish this. Uh, going to try and get it published uh, on like Spotify and, you know, uh, Apple podcasts. So stay tuned for all that and uh, see you soon, Daniel. And uh, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. See you soon, it. Chris. Thanks so all much. Right. Be well. You too.